And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. I was reading the other day and, and it, it, it kind of startled me to learn that across the planet there are some 16,306 species of animals and plants on the global endangered species list. Now, interestingly enough of that number, about 1,300 are right here in the United States, those that have become so rare that they're in danger of becoming extinct. It got me wondering if the list of aspects of endangered species in American life include culture and life in the USA, um, I would wonder what else would be on that endangered species list. Uh, Surely, common sense, compassion, maybe even very truth itself. Oddly enough, there used to be a time when we debated which truth was true. Today, on an increasing basis, young people are graduating from university believing that there is no single truth, that in fact multiple truths on the same topic can coexist at the same time with no apparent conflict whatsoever. In fact, some wonder whether truth exists at all. This, of course, problematic from a Christian perspective because we know through God's word that there is truth and there is a truth that we must live by and abide by or potentially face judgment. Let's dive a bit deeper into this topic. Joining me now is Dr. Roger Chen. He is pastor of Grace Church of the Bay Area. He is also speaker on the weekly broadcast of Grace to the Bay. Dr. Chen holds a bachelor's degree from UCLA, a master of divinity degree from Master Seminary, and a doctor of ministry degree from Trinity Theological Divinity School. And Dr. Chen, great to have you with us. Great. Thanks for having me, Craig. Let's speak first to this issue of, of truth kind of being on the endangered species list. Boy, we've, we've certainly in many respects seen that played out in a in a um, massive way over the last many years. And, and I would even imagine for a region like the San Francisco Bay Area, where we have incredible institutes of higher learning that are regarded not only nationally but globally. I'm thinking of UC Berkeley, certainly Stanford University, where even on these campuses, young people today are debating what truth, if truth, and I have to wonder in the grander scheme of things from a theological perspective, from God's perspective, just how dangerous is this kind of whether or not truth exists, quote-unquote, debate really propose? That's a great question. I mean, when you look at especially young people today, and I think we've seen a lot of it even during the pandemic, a lot of different things have come up where people are very passionate about Uh, We understand why they're passionate about those things. And, you know, things keep changing. Society, culture, they keep changing. What was considered uh, liberal before is considered conservative now. And, And when we look at what's going on all around us and even what people are taught uh, in secular universities, secular high schools, all the way uh, down to the elementary school level, uh, I almost feel sorry for them. Uh, They stand firm in what they believe is true, and yet you know that in a few years, their entire worldview is going to shift and change because that's the nature of man. That's the nature of society. It's continually changing, and sometimes they grab onto what they believe are roots that maybe go back years, if not what they believe, at least the problems that lead to what they believe in now. And yet we have the scriptures and all of these things when not aligned with the, with the very creator of mankind, 
we see how things go awry. And when we're living Second Timothy 3, where things go from bad to worse, and when we hit worse, there's still more to come uh, until the Lord comes back. And so it's so important uh, that we are teaching the truth, that we have churches uh, that are preaching God's word. Is it necessarily then almost a, a mandate, that's the word I'll use, for for the body of Christ to embrace the notion that there is a significant need around us, and maybe even within us, and meaning within the church itself, to return to some of the fundamental pillars of the faith? And I, I pose that question, Dr. Chen, because it's alarming sometimes. For example, recently we came through the Easter holiday. You, you wouldn't think that Christians necessarily or people who identify as same would be engaged in debate over the bodily resurrection of Christ, for example. And, and I've heard some even say, well, in the end, you know, that's kind of figurative and it really doesn't matter. But of course, Scripture is very clear that it does very much matter, and, and, and that God, in, in his sense of judgment, requires the shedding of innocent blood for the remission of sin. And of course, Christ ultimately, that, that ultimate and final sacrifice for all of us and all of the world, that none should perish, all should experience everlasting life. And yet, even within the church sometimes, we see fundamental aspects of the faith under hot debate. Does that trouble you? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because it's it's kind of like if you have a dam holding back a, a huge body of water and we say, well, we can poke a few holes in there. That's OK, because what's going to come out is just a trickle. Well, we all know that eventually that whole dam is going to collapse. And so when you have Christians in the church and even pastors saying, well, this is outdated, this doesn't apply today, this isn't really true, and especially when you're talking about, as you as you said, pillars of the Christian faith, like the resurrection of Jesus Christ, well, you're, you think you're just poking little holes that don't matter, but everything in the scriptures is interconnected. And we see the, the people who are not Christians who have made it their goal in life to try to debunk the Bible or Christianity, they even get this. They start with the peripheral issues that they will have society on their side because they know uh, issues like men's and women's roles and things like that are interconnected. And ultimately, by going to a seemingly innocuous doctrine, they can eventually uh, attack the deity of Christ um, for example, and, and speaking of the resurrection, what are you going to do with the entirety of 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul clearly lays out, uh, you know, culminating with your Christians, you are the, the most to be pitied, you're pathetic, uh, not in the, the, the condescending way we use that word today, but truly the world should feel sorry for us if Christ indeed is not risen because we're worshiping a dead God. Uh, it's we, you know, everything we've sacrificed, Paul saying, if Christ is not risen, every sacrifice you've made, every refusal to indulge in the sins of the world, every church service, every cent that you've given is no better than someone worshiping a, a false god in the ancient city of Corinth. It, it, it just, you know, you, you're taking apart massive chunks of scripture and pretty soon all you have is, uh, just a piecemeal, frankly, opinion of 
people saying what they want to say, and then the worst part is claiming that it's from God, and it's not. Do you think that perhaps over time the slow capitulation over what some might appear to suggest are minor topics? Well, let's not fight over that. Let you know we 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 can agree to disagree and kind of move on. Uh, a, a sense of timidity about standing up for um, unadulterated truth. And we, we kind of say, well, for the sake of this conversation and to not, you know, get into fights with people, we're just going to move the goalposts slightly. We'll, we'll erase this line in the sand and move it a few degrees uh, over because much like your example of, of uh, one or two holes in the dam, you know, a little leak doesn't seem to be a big problem. But as more water pours through, the water on the other side of the wall rises and we begin to see further erosion take place. And eventually, eventually through that trickle and we look at the the impact of water through things like creating the Grand Canyon over time, it will do significant damage. And while initially we might notice it in the end, oftentimes it, it becomes so significant that, that being able to kind of pull ourselves back from the brink becomes a mere impossibility. It, 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 is this almost in, in, in that regard, a wake up call for the church that we need to take seriously the fundamentals of our faith that include being about the master's business, that include being about discipleship, pure religion, as they used to say back in the day? You know, I'm, I'm reminded of Romans 12, right? Don't be conformed to the world. And I'm reminded that Paul is talking to believers there. He's reminded them, you are saved, you're redeemed, but the world can influence you. And I believe that's what we're seeing in the church today. And my, my experience is limited. I'm here in the San Francisco Bay Area. I can't speak for Christianity all around the country or even the world, but we definitely see these major themes where we've already moved the lines a little bit and we don't even realize it. I, I think that it's kind of like that proverbial um, goldfish or whatever it is, right? Where you yourself, because you see it every day, you don't realize how big it's growing. And then someone visits you who hasn't seen you in a year, says, wow, your kids have really grown. And it's little by little. And I think the in the world system, the Lord's enemy, he knows what he's doing. You know, we're not going to accept this massive overhaul of morality. It's bit by bit. And that's what's happening. I find it interesting that uh, being a, a church that many would consider conservative, uh, I practice expository preaching verse by verse, if not word by word, that most of the pushback that I get, and I understand my situation may be different because I'm a pastor, is not from unbelievers. It's from other churched people who say, well, you're, you, you know, you shouldn't hold that line. Times are different. You know, we don't want to alienate people, things like that. And uh, it's, it's really discouraging. And so to answer your question, definitely in every single thing, we need to be clear because if God has said it, we better get it right. Our conversation today with Dr. Roger Chen, Senior Pastor of Grace Church of the Bay Area. We'll take a brief time out. We'll come back to more of our conversation right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. We're visiting today with Dr. Roger Chen. He is the senior pastor of Grace Church of the Bay Area. Dr. Chen, I want to pick up our conversation where we left off just prior to the break. And, and, and you know, I'm, I'm struck by the notion 
Dr. Chen, that, um, you know, as we sometimes, as I said before, kind of move the goalposts slightly because we don't want to get into some con- controversy. And, and all of a sudden we get into these doctrinal discussions that become debates that become downright arguments. And many of them kind of center upon um, an age old reality. The, the questioning. Hath God said? Well, you know, does the Bible really say that? Did God really mean it that way? And, I, and I'm reminded of the fact that the, the first time that that question was really significantly posed takes us all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Hath God said? And ironically, that very same questioning that ultimately led to the downfall of mankind and the sin condition with which we grapple with to this very day, that that very line of questioning continues to this day. And as you say, sadly, oftentimes, I think largely because of, of biblical ignorance, that uh, th- we see this uh, continuing, this, this questioning of God's authority to continue to, to thrive, so to speak, to this very day. Yeah, and speaking of the Garden of Eden, it's the same thing today where where people, it's not just, oh, has God really said it? They They are attacking his character and you remember the serpent said well you know god just doesn't want you to know these things that he knows and so all of a sudden is well how you know is god really love and if he's love then he would want me to do these things or to not believe those things or even just to take something that's clearly commanded in scripture and just turn it into a a gray area something that's that's optional and we see this in society uh, I, I truly believe that when Jesus says that we are salt and light, it's not merely just a, a call to evangelism, but because of what the church believes around the world and how we live, we are really like the salt. We are preserving society. Things would be so much worse uh, if it were not for the church and what the Lord's doing through us. And obviously, Society doesn't see us. I think in many parts of the world, and including ours, uh, society would be happy if we weren't here reminding them of sin and telling them that they are accountable to a creator. I want to pivot for a moment, Dr. Chen, to, to your own life story that I think will help um, shine more light on this importance of of, of truth accepting, truth telling. I, I mentioned in my introductory remarks that um, you've got multiple degrees. You attended master's um, college down in Southern California, master's seminary. Um, and after having spent a tent a stint in Eastern Europe as a missionary there for quite a number of years, you return back home, San Francisco Bay Area is your home, to plant a church in an area of the San Francisco Bay region that, that perhaps not unlike Marin County and its reputation or, or Santa Cruz, um, has some of the greatest degrees of technology, Certainly, um, you know, we mentioned Stanford University right there in the city of Palo Alto. So we've got institutes of higher learning. And yet, sadly, we have some of the lowest per capita church attendance anywhere in the nation. So of all the places to return to, to plant a church, uh, you you certainly didn't go where it was going to be easy, did you? (laughs) I didn't. And I don't know if uh, I fully realized that when I... (laughs) first had the desire to plant a church, which actually was even all the way back in my seminary days and before I went on the mission field, my ultimate goal was to eventually um, come back here, come home. I was, as you mentioned, I was born and raised in the Bay Area, uh, born to uh, two immigrant parents. And so, you know, I had a heart for this area because it was home. 
I had a, a obviously a personal affinity to it. And uh, when I moved back here uh, and planted this church, which is uh, just over 10 years ago, we celebrated our church's 10-year anniversary uh, in October, six months ago. Um, I had not lived in the Bay Area for almost 18 years uh, because going to L.A. for school and work, I ended up there for 12 years and then on the mission field for almost six years. And things were very different. You know, you had the technology boom. You had the uh, creation of these huge uh, organizations, companies, Facebook and Google and whatnot that didn't exist before. Um, and things were very different. And, and you really do see in the scriptures this playing out of people finding their faith or their confidence in success and education in money. Our area has become so wealthy. Um, you know, you, you hear about someone who's 35 years old and a multimillionaire. It doesn't shock you anymore. Because it's very, I mean, it's not the majority, but it's not rare in the Silicon Valley, in the Bay Area. And I almost wonder, and of course I hope, that it gets to the point where you have these young people who say, my parents worked so hard so I could get a decent education, and I have achieved at 35, 40, 50 years old, which my parents could never achieve in terms of material possessions, and they said, this was it. This was life. And I have it. I have enough money that my kids and grandkids could, would never have to work. I've provided for people who don't even exist yet. And I'm still unhappy. I don't know if that's what's happening. Uh, I know that money and possessions and fame and fortune don't fulfill in the way that Christ and faith do. But I think it's so important that we are here and you know there's places in our country that are still saturated with uh churches uh, my wife is from the edge of the bible belt where almost everyone is a christian or at least grew up as a, in church and claims to be churched or a christian and there's less of a sense of desperation than what we feel in the bay area and the more they have, it seems like the more they're trying to fill this void, which is being created by what they have. And it's just so important that churches are here, Christians are here, they're living boldly, they're speaking up for Christ with the gospel because these people, people's lives are empty. It's almost in that regard a, a vicious cycle in, in that the more that you get, the more that you want, and you obtain more, and now you want more. And I guess the question is, you know, for a rich man, what's too rich? When do you stop? And the answer is never. And I think largely that's because it's, it's a, a very bad substitute for the satisfaction of trying to, within the depth of your being, connect with God and yet not recognizing that God exists or who God is, nevertheless feeling that sense of emptiness and then going on a crusade, for maybe want of a better term, 
a crusade to go and try and find satisfaction through money, through power, through influence, through drugs, through whatever it might mean. And all it does is just feeds that cycle. And sadly, a lot of these lives are cycling and continuing to do so in a downward spiral right down the drain. And so standing up to proclaim truth in the middle of that is critically important. I would wonder, in your opinion, Dr. Chen, that you've been a, a Bay Area native your whole life and, and spent the bulk of your life in the Bay Area, your your time outside of the region in, in evangelism and, and um, uh, education notwithstanding. Do you see in this moment of time a shaking going on? And I, I pose that question because, my goodness, between the impact of COVID political turmoil in this country added to that now the war in ukraine what's happening with the economy it it, it almost seems as if there's a convergence you know i don't have this on good authority but good speculation that it would seem as if god in in his permissive will is allowing these events to unfold in order to catch mankind's attention do you think that's true i think that's true i think that's something that he told us would happen. Um, I don't think this is the end in, in terms of this is not going to be the last war. Uh, Putin is not going to be the last guy attempting what he's attempting. This is not going to be, uh, you know, the, the last uh, pandemic, whatever it may be. Things are, are going to get worse. And, and I don't say that as a, as a pessimist. I say that uh, as someone who understands the scriptures and understands that the renewal of all things, including the reconciliation of man to God, that Jesus Christ began with his coming and dying and resurrection and will culminate with his second coming. Um, all of this is a wake up call to show us the, the severity of sin, the consequences of our sin. Uh, which is ultimately what this is. I mean, this would not have happened hypothetically if sin never came to be in the garden. And we understand that that was all allowed and within the plan of God. Uh, but with anything that festers, anything that that is is gr- bad and and gross, it gets worse. Uh, you don't let the the moldy food in your fridge just sit there hoping it'll go away. It's just going to spread and grow, and and that's the reality of sin. And we see this not just in people's behavior, but also on a legal level, on a political level. What is would have been considered uh, absolutely unacceptable, unacceptable even by the secular world, is now legal and and okay and. You're almost or you are wrong if you don't partake in certain things or condemn others or think it's wrong to, con- to partake in these things. And so uh, definitely I think God is being very patient with us and with the world for now. And I think that's something we really need to understand as believers and something we really need to help the world understand that we're in a time where God is being patient with us. He's trying to wake us up. He's showing us the consequences of our own sin. And the problem I see is the way people are reacting to these things, whether it's the war or the pandemic, 
where they're given a wake-up call and an opportunity to turn to God. They're, there's so many are just doubling down on the wrong things, and they're just pursuing that list of, of things that you mentioned earlier, the drugs and the money and the personal success. And uh, I think in a lot of ways, too, we're, we're kind of sheltered here in America, maybe even more so in California and the Bay Area, because things are a lot worse around the world. There are wars uh, outside of Ukraine that we are not aware of because the news is highlighting one particular war. And so things are bad around the world. And I think as Americans, we've gotten very spoiled, right? We, we speak about things that maybe we shouldn't really speak about. Um, and we protest and talk about things, but that is kind of the end of it. We don't really do much more. And because of the freedoms and the money and stability we have in this country, uh, we're blinded to, I think, the realities of, of, of life that exists around the world and, in turn, the depravity and sin that is uh, contagious all around us. Our conversation today with Dr. Roger Chen, Senior Pastor of Grace Church of the Bay Area. We'll take a brief time out. We'll come back to more of our conversation right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. We're visiting today with Dr. Roger Chen. He is the Senior Pastor of Grace Church of the Bay Area. Dr. Chen, let's pick things up where we left off just a few moments ago prior to the break. Now, uh, you know, uh, toward that degree, I've often wondered, I wonder what our fellow believers in, in countries like Vietnam and North Korea and Iran and Iraq and so many parts of the world where there are significant degrees of persecution, and I'm talking about not persecution that says somebody's upset because they've been told to wear a face mask, but persecution where their very life, their very liberty is at stake because they have been caught with a Bible in their possession, as is the case in North Korea, or they've simply proclaimed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior above all others in many parts of the Muslim world. That could get you death. And yet I, there seems to be a disconnect from this kind of reality, from a biblical type of persecution that we see outlined in Scripture that is the day-to-day challenge that our fellow believers face every single day. And, and I might add, and, and, and do so eyes fully wide open. And yet here in the United States or much of the West, we're, we're disconnected from these realities. And, and, and therefore, our definition of what hard times or persecution looks like, very different from that of the reality faced by many Christians around the globe today. Yeah, I agree. And, I, and at the same time, I, I don't want to uh, undermine the reality of trials uh, in the believer's life uh, here in California. Obviously, they would take uh, look very different than someone who is, as we've seen in the news recently, having a worship service in the, the subway because their homes are getting bombed. Um, but and the beauty of it is that the word of God uh, is universal. It, whether you're uh, struggling because you're literally in a war or you're struggling because you feel persecuted regarding 
a mask mandate or whatever it is. The reality is we can turn to the Lord. And, you know, I'm reminded of Hebrews 10, 24, which tells us to stimulate one another to, to love and good deeds. And the passage goes on to remind us to not forsake the assembling of believers together. I'm paraphrasing there. And then he ends the verse by saying, all the more as you, as you see the day drawing near. I think for believers, this is a, a good reminder that as we th- see things getting worse, we really need to try harder to encourage one another, to uh, sharpen one another as iron sharpens iron, Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen, And uh, because church, I believe, should be a place where as believers, we're out in the world and it's hard. We live in a world that doesn't believe what we believe. We're working with people. uh, We're living with people that are at war with our God and in their depravity can't understand who we are and what we believe, what we live for. And so church should be a place where it's it's almost like a, a rest, a break away from the world to be with God's people, to say, I can worship God. I don't have to explain anything to an unbeliever. I don't need to worry about them persecuting me or questioning me. And my concern is that believers, are we living in a way that that's a reality, that we look forward to being with God's people because I am living out my faith day to day that I need that break. I just need to be uh, with God's people and be refreshed and renewed by God's word and, and the scriptures and worship uh, and those types of things. Uh, so there is an acknowledgement we have to have of, of what's going on in the world. Uh, but I think how someone views a worship service is a good indicator of how they are living. If they're living the way they're called to out in this world that we're describing here. And, and you know, that takes us full circle back to uh, some of my opening remarks and our, our early on discussion pertaining to the importance of, 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 acknowledging truth, embracing truth, speaking truth, telling truth, living truth, that, you know, so often there is a propensity towards, particularly in the West, um, to participate in Christianity as a spectator, but not be fully engaged. And I think we're at a juncture, most certainly, as we've discussed, where the world is urgently crying out for some kind of truth. It may not know how to articulate that request, but as you see the rise of interest in New Ageism and spiritualism that's outside of the bonds of traditional, historical, reformist-style Christianity, and instead, you know, looking for something else that 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 seems to be a, a, a false imitation, of course, but seems to be something that might bring a sense of of satisfaction, but in the end, does not satisfy. And so, the church being able to speak up proclaim truth and live it out in a very strong fashion. I, I think there's a major difference between knowing the word and living the word. And I wonder wonder if maybe one of the challenges here before the church today for not only our own personal sake in terms of our relationship with God, but our ability to impact the world around us predicates upon each of us to not only be truth tellers, hearers of the word, but doers of the word as well. I've always been a firm believer that what you want to see in a solid church, and I would tell people in in my church that need to move away for work or whatever, uh, they will ask me, what should I look for in a church? And my number one is, of course, solid preaching. 
people who are not giving opinions. I tell my congregation all the time, my opinion doesn't matter. And sometimes that that bothers certain people because they want my opinion, especially recently. My opinion doesn't matter. My opinion on, uh, to bring up recent events, my opinion on masks and vaccines does not matter. What matters as your pastor is that I preach the word of God and tell you the objective truth because we have so much subjectivity in this world. I mean, how refreshing is it when we actually have something concrete? Yes, I will be there for our appointment. Yes, two plus two equals four. And the word of God is objective. Uh, but the second thing in terms of a solid church is I tell people, look at the people. You could have solid preaching, good, uh, whatever you want to call it, conservative, expository preaching, But look at the people. Are they living out what is being taught? Because you could have a a, a solid preacher preaching the word week after week, and the people don't love each other. They're not practicing biblical fellowship. Then there's a disconnect there. Now, I don't see that happening a lot, but my point is the solid preaching has to be not just head knowledge, like, here's a church, wow, they really know their stuff. They know their theology. They can debate people. But, okay, well, when they debate, are they doing it graciously and lovingly? Are they having compassion on the members of the Christian cult or the unbeliever? So, yeah, exactly. I agree with you, Craig. Not just hearers, but but doers. We need to be responding, not just in head knowledge, but living out the truth. And one of the things that we really focus on at Grace Bay Area is what I call, I mentioned it a second ago, biblical fellowship. I know that's kind of redundant, but the reason I I mentioned it that way is because I think in the church today, um, and, and this has its place, but we will get together, we'll watch a game, we'll watch a movie, we'll play ultimate Frisbee, whatever it may be. And, and you say, wow, that was a really good time. We had good fellowship. You say, well, did you talk about anything? Did you discuss spiritual issues? No, we were we we're watching the game. We, we didn't want to talk over the game or the movie, right? And we, we call that fellowship. And, and I get that, but I don't see that in Scripture. I have fellowship at the very root word means to have something in common. So really... You know, members of a bicycling club would have bicycling in common. But, of course, our commonality is Jesus Christ. And so when we talk about fellowship at our church, we want it to be living out the scriptures, living out the one another, sharpening one another, as I mentioned earlier, and, you know, encouraging, praying for one another, knowing each other enough to know what to pray for and getting beyond the, oh, I have a second cousin who's sick. Can you please pray for him or I have a job interview, but really knowing what's going on. And uh, the beauty of this for me is in implanting a church to be able to start with that as one of the pillars and not have a church, you know, down the line that's 50 years old and say, these people don't know each other. They don't talk about spiritual things. Um, let's try to let's try to change the course of the ship, as it were. But you're 50 years in. And so we've tried to start right at the beginning with these kinds of things so that, you know, should the Lord have our church exist in, in a few decades, 
that people could go back and, and say, how is it that we can talk about these things? We can be open about spiritual things. I go to other churches. It seems awkward. It's just superficial things and say, well, you know, back so-and-so, great-grandpa Chris or Roger, they really focused on these things, and it's just kind of spread down the line. And I think it really starts with Christians being able to be biblical Christians with each other and with the Lord, of course, and then that resonates and spreads out to how we interact. Our conversation today with Dr. Roger Chen, Senior Pastor of Grace Church of the Bay Area. We'll take a brief time out. We'll come back to more of our conversation right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. We're visiting today with Dr. Roger Chen. He is the senior pastor of Grace Church of the Bay Area. Dr. Chen, I want to pick up our conversation where we left off just prior to the break. Scripture, uh, Dr. Chen, as you know, endorses that. Um, the, the life that is built on a firm foundation will be able to withstand any storm that uh, comes about. And yet the life that has been built on shifting sand that is more spectator Christianity as opposed to fully being participatory, uh, that, that's what Scripture is warning us about. Ask any wife on Christmas morning who has watched her husband struggle putting together a complicated assembly procedure for a child's toy and, and say, well, honey, here are the instructions. Nah, I don't need those. I, you know, I, I work on the car all the time. I can handle this. And look at the difference between what what ends up being created and all of the nuts and bolts left over that you have no idea where they belong, as opposed to just simply from the beginning saying, we've been given an instruction manual. Let's read what's in the manual. Let's apply what we've read in the manual. And that will likely make the assembly of this toy go a lot faster and the kids will be off having fun with it and the cat will soon be enjoying the box. Instead, we oftentimes want to take the approach, we got this handled. We don't need no instruction manual. We can figure it out. And that only gets the, the world in trouble, but it also equally and more severely, I think, uh, so gets the church in trouble. Talk to us a bit about the ministry of Grace Church of the Bay Area. We mentioned about, of course, the, the weekly radio broadcast, but you've got a, a vibrant, lively community of believers growing there in the, uh, the San Mateo Peninsula area. Give us a bit of a snapshot, if you would, Dr. Chen, for folks perhaps eavesdropping on our conversation today that are looking for a new church home. What will they find at Grace Church of the Bay Area? Well, even at 10 years old, we're still a, a relatively young church in terms of the church and and uh, we still consider ourselves a, a young church plant. We're growing and we're learning. And uh, we have this uh, little little motto, uh, which uh, says, no frills, no fluff, no trends, just truth. And being a, a younger church, and I mean the, the age of, of our, the existence of our church, not so much our demographics, uh, that motto just, you know, we're just going to, we're going to give you the truth. Uh, we don't necessarily have a fancy band with, uh, you know, a big orchestra. Uh, we're, we're a church plant, and we have a faithful group of people, and they love the word. They love each other, and uh, we, we're just trying to do church uh, as faithfully as we can. We sing worship songs. We sing a hymn, a classics hymn, uh, at least one every Sunday, uh, in part because we think uh, the young people are forgetting hymns and they're not sung anymore. And so we want to keep those alive. And um, 
you know, we you come in and, and you, you greet people and you sit and you come as you are. Uh, you don't need to dress up. You can if you, you want to. We're pretty diverse in terms of ethnicity as well as in age. And it's, it's a really, it's a good group. And I'll tell you that the two pieces of feedback that I get most often from visitors, whether they're from out of town, whether they come back or never come back, is one is they appreciate the expository preaching. But secondly, that they're really encouraged by how welcoming our church is. And as I watch our congregation, I'm really encouraged that it's not just, oh, uh, that guy's here for the first time. Let's bombard them, make them feel welcome. And then they come back again the next week and nobody's speaking to them. And and that's not just uh, to try to grow our church or get people to come on a superficial level, but it's because the church, the congregation just loves people and they appreciate sound doctrine and they want people to stay and to hear and to grow together. Uh, We are a church where, uh, as I mentioned earlier with biblical fellowship, we believe that every Christian should be serving and should be getting involved. And that doesn't necessarily mean on a Sunday morning, it means just having friends in the church that you're praying for, that you're encouraging. And so we're really trying to do church, if I could put it that way, uh, biblically. And we, uh, we don't want to have people who are just spectator Christians who pop in, want to hear a sermon and leave and get, don't get to know anyone. Um, obviously if you want to do that, you're going to do that. And we welcome you. Uh, but we want to be a true family, a community that relies on each other, that loves each other, that is living out the scriptures as well as hearing it. And I think in the final analysis, caring and discipling others should not be viewed as a church strategy, but rather as an integral part of day-to-day normal Christian living. Because if it's applied as a strategy, people will see through that. If it's genuine, if it's genuine heartfelt concern, compassion for others, just as we see Christ modeling throughout the New Testament, every time he had engagement with people, there was always a sense of him connecting with people where they were to meet their unique needs. Ultimately, of course, concerned in their in their spiritual condition, but always addressing their needs in a fashion that really revealed God's tenderness and God's caring. And if we as the church follow that as a pattern, they say not for church growth, but for day-to-day normal Christian living, I think we'd be amazed at the kind of impact we as the body of Christ could have not only globally, but right here at home in the San Francisco Bay Area. Grace Church of the Bay Area, you're meeting Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. at San Mateo High School. That's in the uh, multi-purpose room located at 789 East Poplar Avenue in San Mateo. Real easy on and off the 101 freeway. So uh, if you know where the Poplar Avenue exit is, boom, you're right there on a Sunday morning. Do you also have services online, Dr. Chen? Yeah, we're uh, live streaming uh, our services uh, again at 11 a.m. And you can find that on our website on the resources page, uh, as well as all of our sermons uh, many of which have video as well. 
are right there archived on our website. And again, you can get more information about uh, the Ministry of Grace Church of the Bay Area by going online to gracebayarea.org. That's gracebayarea.org. Or if you prefer, you can call 650-532-3444. That's 650-532-3444. Dr. Roger Chen, we appreciate so much the time and uh, you're sharing some of your heart, your passion for the ministry here in the San Francisco Bay Area and uh, what God has called you to do. So thanks again so much for spending some time with us today. Thank you. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time around, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved.